Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. We're uh, continuing the series of Matthew. And the intention of this series is that we do this together. And that was very intentional. Uh, We want an opportunity for you, if you haven't, if you're new to this, first time here, or just haven't gotten started, we've got uh, the little, what are they? sheets to tell you what the chapters were on. We're trying to go through a chapter a day. We're kind of about halfway through right now. Love to have you jump in there. Um, Every day a staff person or a volunteer sharing kind of their take on that day, their little devo for the day. You can find that on Facebook. I love reading that and seeing other people that jump in and say, hey, this is what I got out of it, or here's what I think happened there. And and that's kind of the, the hope, is that we're not the purveyors of truth here up front. Uh, we, we're just one of the learners. Uh, that, that's what we want you to be a part of. Uh, so with that in mind, um, we, there are four of us. We're only given four messages, which tells you something. We're not trying to do an exhaustive talk on Matthew. But each week, one of us will just share what God's teaching us. We have no special insight, just maybe a different perspective. We hope that you'll kind of be a part of that process. Well, uh, it kind of reminded me, by the way, as I thought about this, why that is important, is uh, when Judy and I were in Malawi, we did Young Life in Malawi in the mid-2000s, and it was a phenomenal experience, but one of the things that stuck out to me, we got a lot of kids coming, getting involved, and then we started Young Life, we call it campaigners, kind of small group, but it wasn't really a Bible study. It was more a lot of questions, kind of like, let's discover together. That was the goal of campaigners in in Young Life. That's what we did in Africa. But it was a very different culture in Africa where we were in Malawi. Malawi was one of the countries that was heavily missionized, if I can use that word. Uh, The gospel, their understanding of Jesus in the Bible came from Western missionaries, Presbyterians, Methodists, Catholics, whatever. And so they kind of got in this mode of, well, you guys know what, what God's about. You know how to tell us what the Bible says. So that was kind of their mentality. In the college age and high school age, students over there, they didn't have their own group. Uh, they were just part of church, and they just expected to hear from up front what, uh, what I should learn. Uh, so when we started our campaigner group, it was a little weird for a couple of weeks because we'd start out like we always do. Hey, we read a little bit. Hey, what do you think Jesus is? Why do you think he did that? Uh... I don't know, you tell me. Or, hey, what is he telling you? Uh, I don't know, you tell me. That was kind of their mentality for like two or three weeks. Then they could see the light turn on after a few weeks. And they'd come and they were kind of excited that they could have their own opinion. And they could have their own understanding that God's speaking to them like, well, here's what I'm getting out of it. It's like, yes. Um, so that's kind of the intention here in going through Matthew is we're doing this together. We all have our own uh, things we can learn. Well, what I'm going to focus on today, my little contribution, my tidbit, is coming out of Matthew 9, and really Matthew 8 and 9, but we're going to focus on Matthew 9. And Matthew 8 and 9, there are nine different instances of people being healed. Kind of all over, unique, all over the map. Uh, Wrote them down here. There's a leper being healed. Uh, Roman centurion had a servant that was sick. He came to Jesus. He got his servant healed. Peter's mother-in-law was healed from a fever. 
demoniac that Jesus ran across with his disciples. He was freed. Paralytic, a hemorrhaging woman, uh, a uh, synagogue leader, religious guy. His daughter was near death. We're going to talk about those today. A blind man, a mute, born mute and demon-possessed, got healed. I mean, they're just all over the map. But just looking at that, you kind of think, well, Matthew took two chapters to just talk about all these healings. Maybe we should look at that. Maybe we should examine and see what, see what we can get out of it. Uh, well, I would call it, after uh, putting this together, it's really more the mystery of healing. It's not like, here's what healing's about in the Bible, uh, because there's almost more questions than there are answers if you look at all these healings going on. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think most of us, pretty sure all of us have had, have struggled with this area. Uh, whether you just get sick and kind of maybe the first thought is, what did I do to get sick? Why am I sick? You know, what? I should have done something different. Should have lived a better life. I don't know. But we always kind of think there's a reason why we're sick. Uh, we see other people, we see people that get sick and, and maybe we don't or just the opposite. Why did, why did I get sick and not them? Or we know people that got healed, but other people we know didn't. There are people we know in our lives that, that died as a result of some sickness, and yet others lived. You just, you just struggle with it. Um, well, even the disciples had the same struggle. The disciples who Jesus commissioned at one time, early on, by the way, he said, hey, you've seen me do all this. I'm giving you authority to do exactly the same thing. And so by twos, he sent the disciples out, and they went, and they healed, and they uh, freed demoniacs from their oppression. And they did all this stuff that Jesus did. But then there was one case kind of toward the end where they come back and they said, well, we couldn't do anything about this kid. Why, why couldn't we heal him? And I'll let you look that one up. But, you know, partly had to do with faith, partly had to do, well, that comes out a different way. It's like, well, what the heck? You know, why, why isn't there a clear answer to just give me a formula for what we can do to, to have healing? Um, well, I'll just say personally, I've struggled with it in a couple ways. We have uh, good friends, another family close to our age. They also had four kids. They were on staff with Young Life. Got to know pretty well. We were on assignment together a number of times. And uh, uh, this has been a long time now, maybe 25 years ago. Uh, they were serving at our camp in Canada for a whole month. And uh, heading back home, coming back on the freeway, some guy going the opposite direction just fell asleep across the midline, smashed into their van. Killed his mother-in-law and two of their four kids. And he's like, seriously? Seriously, here's a guy giving his life. <laughs> why, why, why couldn't you stop that? Maybe you've had that question. Why, why did that happen? Um, well, I'll start out by saying I'm not going to give you any answers today. <laughs> In some ways, I think it's about even struggling. It's about... Uh, Asking the questions, being frustrated, maybe going to God in relationship with your anger, your frustration, your confusion, and working it out there. Because I think that's, that to me would be the takeaway from today. It's not, how do you get healed? Why aren't you healed? What about other people? How does it happen? It'd be more about, hey, we all struggle with sickness or that area for ourselves or others. Um, 
Go to God with that. Use those things that frustrate us to develop your relationship with him. He can handle any of the anger, frustration, doubt that you've got. And I think we'll find that he has things to teach us in the midst of it. Um, Well, today I want to touch on just three different healings. But I want to share just a couple observations before, introductory if you will. Uh, One is, one observation, Jesus could have healed everybody. Jesus was God in the flesh. He could have just come and said, okay, disease, death, done. Uh, that's that's my job. I'm Jesus. I can do that. But he didn't. Could have fed everybody. Could have eliminated hunger. Maybe we've asked that question. How come God allows us stuff to happen? Well, that wasn't why Jesus came primarily. Um, but he could have healed everyone. He didn't. Although, interesting, if you read it, if you read through the Gospels, I can't find an instance where people came to him looking for healing that didn't get healed. So at least when Jesus was walking around, when Jesus was in the flesh there, he responded to everybody that came to him, and they were healed. Um, Even some people that weren't looking for it. (laughs) Kind of surprising. Like, hey, I know you don't even know who I am. You're sick. I'll heal you. Um, So, again, more questions than answers. Uh, He sometimes initiated healing. Uh, Just sees somebody and heals them. Sometimes, most of the time, he responded responded to people who came to him in faith, came to him in desperate situations, and he responded. Um, Third thing is it's not a formula. Uh, I think our Western mind, we kind of go to that direction. It's like, okay, I can figure out this healing thing. If I say this, if I do this, uh, we can take care of this healing area. We just don't know the right formula yet. And I think Jesus, in some ways, went out of his way to say, it's not a formula. I'm not a formula. I'm not a genie. I'm not. It's about relationship. He deals with everybody differently. If you look at just an example of healing blind men, <laughs> number of cases where he healed people born or people blind. Uh, some from birth. Uh, but one, one time he may say, hey, you're healed. He just speak over them and they're healed. Other times he touched the blind men. They were healed. Uh, when he told her, hey, go down there and wash in this pool. And they did, and he was healed. One time, I love it, he spits on the ground, makes mud in his... That sounds healing, doesn't it? Just put spit and mud together. That's a good combo. And puts it on their eyes and says, okay, now go wash. And they were healed. Uh, <laughs> love it. Uh, <laughs> one, time, one time he touched a guy and said, well, there you go. And he goes, well, I can see better now. Uh, but now people kind of look like trees walking around. So he touched them again. Oh, now I'm good. Now I can see. It's like, okay, what are you up to? What is this thing? What, what can we possibly learn from it? Um, and I would add to that, I think most of the time, because they only recorded so many, and I think they're very intentional about the ones they shared in the, in the Gospels. And I think they always had something to do with Jesus trying to use healing for teaching, to reveal things to us. Uh, so I think there are things we can learn. It may not be about healing, <laughs> but I think he's trying to teach us some things. Um, I did write down four things I found why Jesus healed. I would say number one reason he healed is to <laughs> confirm his claim as Messiah. That uh, the Bible, the Old Testament, had been saying, hey, the Messiah is coming. And one of the things he's going to do is 
He's going to heal people. Um, verse Luke uh, 4, in Luke 4, 16, it's like the, one of the first times Jesus was in public. He's actually at his hometown, and he goes to the synagogue on uh, the Sabbath, and apparently it was his turn. They hand him the scroll to read. He stands up and, and reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And that was like his first public <laughs> declaration. But in there, these are the things that I am doing to confirm that I'm this one. And he said, today your, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Um, so I, I love that. And then uh, another verse where John the Baptist is struggling. He's in prison, wondering if Jesus is the guy. He says, are you, are you the Messiah we've been waiting for? And Jesus replied in uh, Matthew 11, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So he's simply telling John, Hey, what have you seen? What have you heard? I'm demonstrating I am the Messiah by the things I'm doing. And most of those were listed were healing events. Uh, well, the second thing, second reason I think, was he wanted to reveal that he's not only capable of healing, but he's and he not only just the Messiah, but he is God in the flesh, which was profound thought, kind of like maybe a little over the edge for most people. Well, we believe in the Messiah. We believe he's coming. But Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm more than that. I am God in the flesh. Because a lot of his healings, if you look at them, <laughs> who but God could dot, dot, dot. There was a guy born blind, and the, the response when he healed him was, who but God could heal a blind man born blind, never been done before? Or one we're going to look at today, who but God could forgive sins? Sometimes he did both the same time. But he's trying to say, I'm God in the flesh. Uh, who but God could raise the dead? He raised several people from the dead. Uh, who but God could do that? And then I love the, like the withered hand was one of those. Like, who but God could take a hand that's withered down and just create new tissue and put a new arm out there? Who but God could do that? Um, so that'd be the second reason. Uh, third, Major one is response to faith. That Jesus simply responded to people believing that he could do that. They had faith in this Messiah to come. And they believed that he could do it. And he responded to that. A lot of times he ended healings by saying, your faith has made you well. Go, be free. Um, so I love that. Uh, fourth, I added this on. I almost didn't have this, but I thought, this may be the most important reason. Uh, the most prominent reason. I would say just his compassion. That Jesus just simply cared, loved enough to, to intervene, to heal people, because he had compassion. Matthew 14, 14 simply says, when Jesus landed, saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. I love the fact we have a God who's not a business-oriented God. It's like, I'm going to tell you all about what I'm doing here. He was drawn by compassion. He loved us so much. He just, I couldn't help but intervene and heal. Didn't heal everybody, but he was drawn uh, by compassion. Uh, Matthew 9, 38, 5, 38 says, 
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Again, he didn't heal everybody, but everyone that came to him, he responded. And I think compassion was a big part of that. Well, I, uh, all of that introduction, I want us to take a look at three of these healings found in Matthew 9. Uh, and again, not to give you answers, but maybe food for thought. Maybe things that we can take away to uh, encourage us in our faith and our relationship. Uh, the first one is found in, uh, well, it's found in Matthew. It's also in Mark. I'm going to actually read both of these stories from Mark because they go into more detail. Uh, they're found in Matthew, but Mark gives more detail. So here's how it's written in, uh, in Mark 2. It says this. They gathered in such large numbers there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So I tell you, pick up your mat and go home. Uh, He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God. We've never seen anyone like this. Well, what sticks out in that story? Several things. I love this story. First of all, classic. Jesus is in a house, packed. Like, can't get enough of Jesus' time. He's always got a huge crowd. But in this case, it's so packed that he's not even room outside the door. And here come these four guys carrying their friend, their paralyzed friend. And it doesn't tell us anything about, anything about the paralyzed guy. Maybe he didn't want to be there. Maybe he said, yeah, I'm, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to, don't parade me around. We don't know what the conversation was. But he didn't really have a choice. They strapped him to the mat. Each of them took a corner. And they, they believed if we could just get him in front of Jesus, their life, his life will be changed. So it's really about those guys, this story. Uh, anyway, they get to the door, no room. Ah, we'll come back tomorrow. We'll find him. We'll go earlier tomorrow. No, no. Because they had, if we, we'll do whatever it takes. And I love the next few verses where they just go up on the roof. I don't know how they got there. Back stairs, they get up on the roof. They start digging a hole straw and other stuff, maybe stucco. I don't know what's up there. But Jesus is talking the whole time. You see kind of flex coming down. Maybe the guys are talking. It's like, left a little bit. Go left. Dig a little more. I imagine they didn't dig a wide hole because that would take a long time. They probably dug a hole long enough. Yeah, I think we're right there. Okay, lower him straight down. He's strapped into this mat. I can I mean, it's a funny scene. It just probably drop him right in front of Jesus. Boom. Right face to face. Kind of how I picture it. The guy just, what are you going to do? Just stand. 
And I love the next verse. Seeing their faith, seeing their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Not because of anything you've done, but just seeing their faith, your sins are forgiven. Probably the biggest letdown line in the guy's life. It's like, what? <laughs> not exactly why I came, whether I was dragged here or not. He couldn't raise his hand and ask a question. He kind of going, what? I came to be healed. Well, Jesus, I think, had that in mind too, but he wanted to make a point. He wanted to use it as a teaching point. God is the only one that can first forgive sins and heal this guy. I want you to know I'm both. So he does get his healing, but I, I love the fact that he goes through it the way he does. Maybe the lesson in there is God knows our deeper need. You know, how many times do we come, we want to get face-to-face with Jesus? We got to, I want you to do this in my life, healing something else. But maybe God knows a deeper need. Maybe Jesus knows more that needs to happen. Um, he's not looking to hold out on us, but he is looking to, to do what we, we really need done. Um, well, <laughs> there's that story. Um, then we move on to the next chapter. Again, it's, it's both in Matthew and Mark, but I'm stuck on Mark for this, uh, for this one, so I'm just going to stay in Mark. This is not the Mark series. I'm just taking license here with the same story. Um, but this is a story of a hemorrhaging woman and a religious leader and his daughter. Let's just read the first part of it. Found in Mark 5. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. I mean, it's like, oh gosh, can you imagine how desperate this guy is? We don't know how close she is to dying, um, but enough to wear this guy. Hey, you've got to come with me now. And he said, okay, I will. So he starts going. Now, Jairus is pretty pumped at this point. Then it takes a little turn. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she only grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out for him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? The response of the uh, disciples, probably like you and I would be, Seriously? We're like a thousand people getting more crowded. They're actually going to see what you can do about this dying girl. And you asked who touched me? Um, <laughs> love that. Some people say, well, that's just a rhetorical question. Obviously he knew. I don't think he did. I think Jesus chose to, to give up some of his omnipotence and omnipotent, uh, that all-knowing thing. Um, I think he gave some of that up. I don't think he actually knew. But he knew he'd been touched and power went out from him. Um, Mark 5, just read it again, 5.33. The woman, knowing that she, what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, uh, trembling with fear, and she told him the whole truth. So he persisted. Nope, somebody touched me, and she knew what had happened. She fell at his feet, told him the whole story. <laughs> I... Uh, I love that. Just think about what she's been through. Twelve years. 
She's been bleeding, hemorrhaging. Uh, went to all the doctors, spent all that she had. Not any better. But she's holding on to something. She's holding on to faith. She somehow believes, if I can just touch his cloak, I can be healed. I don't know where she gets that faith from. Well, explore a possibility here. But she believes if she can just touch him, she'll be healed. Uh, well, first of all, in that culture, maybe not too different from our culture, she believed, I'm sure, that somehow her sin has caused her disease. Uh, in that culture, they believe that if you're sick, it's probably because you sinned. Um, so, and they consider, hey, you're unclean. And they weren't just talking physically, they were talking spiritually. You're unclean. You can't go to church. You can't interact with people. You can't touch people because you might infect them. And I, I, that was taken as both physical and spiritual. Just imagine how she felt for 12 years. Uh, couldn't interact with people. But she has enough courage and faith that she's going to go through this crowd and touch Jesus. So when Jesus said, who touched me? <laughs> kind of chuckle at that a little bit when we think about it. But I, I think he might ask that question of us. You know, we all go to church. We're all together. We all touch Jesus. But there's something different about this woman's touch. She had a touch believing that Jesus could do something in her life. Um, I want that kind of attitude. I don't want to just bump into Jesus. I don't want to just touch Jesus. I don't want to just hear about Jesus. I don't want to be just one in the crowd. I want to have the courage and risk it to do what I can to reach out and touch him, believing that he can do something in my life. Uh, I hope that's where we are. Um, Her touch of faith was was different than everybody else's. Where did she get it? Um, Well, I'll give you a couple verses here. Romans 15, or excuse me, not Romans you're looking for Romans, it's not there. Numbers 15, 38 says this, Speak to the Israelites, say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. That was given to them way back in the 40 years in the desert. Here's what you're supposed to wear, guys. Uh, And it was normally in a form of a prayer shawl they'd wear every day. And at the bottom of the prayer shawl would be these tassels. It was considered the corner of the robe. It was also considered the wing of their garment. Um, It was to identify that we are gods. We are God's people. And it also had the image of being a protection. That when you wore this prayer shawl around you with the tassels on it, you had God's protection. Um, Kind of a nice image. Jesus said at one time, I wish I could gather you in my wings like a hen. Protect you. I, I wish I could gather you around my wings. Um, so maybe she had that in mind when she knew the Bible. The people in that culture knew their Bible well. And in Malachi 4, 2, it prophesied this. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. <laughs> That's how it described the, the Messiah. That somehow, if you can touch the corner of his garment, the wing of his garment, you can be healed. That's what she believed in. She believed the word. Um, In uh, Matthew 14, it says this. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. As many as touched it were made perfectly well. So it wasn't just her. Uh, They understood that the prophecy that Jesus had healing in his wings. Um, Well, I love that. that. That's what we can pick up from that one. Um, let's get back to Jairus here. 
Imagine what he's going through. He was on his way to take care of his dying daughter. Uh, Jesus asked, who touched me? And she came and told him her whole story. <laughs> How long do you think that took? As Jairus is going, seriously? She probably started 12 years ago and told all that had happened to her. He took the time to listen to all of her story. And Jairus is going crazy, thinking, seriously, Jesus, am I not important enough? Um, are you going to be too late for me because you're busy with somebody else? Uh, maybe we felt that way sometimes. Um, well, in the midst of this time, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Now imagine, gosh, if you hadn't stopped, maybe my daughter would be alive. If you'd been here, if you'd have been on time. And I think sometimes we see death as the final answer. But it, certainly in this case it wasn't. Um, Jesus said to her, said to the man, uh, don't be afraid, just believe. And then he's, I'll just paraphrase for time. He took Peter, James, and John, went to the house, kicked everybody out, went in, raised the daughter from the dead. The crowd outside made fun of him because he said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. I'll take care of it. Gave her back to her parents. Um, Jairus' prayers are answered. Um, but I think there's some great lessons as I already referred to that we kind of think that we're not important enough, that Jesus is just too late, that uh, it's, can't do anything now. It's beyond his help. And I would just suggest that nothing's beyond his help. And even death is not beyond his help. He's not too preoccupied. And I would say for the woman, Jesus is not too preoccupied. He wants to hear your whole story. He didn't just in, come in and out of our lives. He said, oh, tell me. Tell me your story. And he took the time to listen to her whole story. And I think that's the way he treats us too. Not, But he still has time for others. Jesus isn't occupied one at a time. Somehow he takes care of us uh, in our own way. But he cares about each one of us desperately. Uh, well, just a note, I found this verse in Isaiah. I thought it was kind of cool. Isaiah 57.1 The righteous perish. No one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away, and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. I mean, there are some times where things do end in death, and we have big questions. But two things. One, know that death is not the final answer, that Jesus will still raise that person that trusts in him uh, to life. Uh, maybe we'll die before we're supposed to, whatever that means. Maybe we'll die before we want to. Um, but it doesn't mean that Jesus is not able to deal with us in life and death. Um, and maybe he's sparing people from what he knows is coming in their life. I don't know. But um, there's that. Well, in a final observation, when Jesus raised this little girl, gave her back to her parents, he said, give her something to eat. So maybe, maybe death is, makes you really hungry. I don't know. Just food for thought. Um, that was a side note, kind of a chuckle. Don't worry about it. Well, let me, uh, let me just wrap this up. Some applications. What can we take away from this? Again, not answers as much as just food for thought, things to chew on, things to encourage us, I, I hope. Number one, your faith 
affects others. There it is. Your faith. There it is. Your faith affects others. Um, just like these four guys. It wasn't the paralytic's faith. It was their faith. I don't know if we've ever thought about that. That your faith can affect other people. Your willingness to act on behalf of someone else, whether it's praying for them, whether it's sharing with them, whether it's taking them somewhere, even if they don't want to go. Uh, whatever it takes, I want to get that person literally in front of Jesus. That your faith affects other people. I love that. That Jesus responds to our faith on behalf of others. Uh, so be bold. Risk. Uh, number two, build your faith. Uh, this woman had great faith. The Bible says faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. The more we interact with his word, because Jesus said, I am the word. Um, literally, we are not just reading about God. We are <laughs> engaging God. We're engaging Jesus as we read. We're building our relationship with him as we get into his word. Uh, and doing that builds our faith. Gives us more confidence that God is going to do something. It maybe gives us the courage to say, I'm going to, I'm going to touch Jesus this, this week in a way that he's going to respond. Um, not in magic, not in compelling God to do something, but I think he shows up more. He teaches us things. He gives us encouragement in our faith as we dare to reach out and touch. Um, number three, he has our best in mind. He's not holding out on you. I think sometimes we think, I've done something wrong. Maybe that's why I I'm, don't deserve healing, don't deserve... He's not holding out on us. Um, he has your best. Trust him in all circumstances. Uh, I'm going to jump down to just make that connection. And then second one down, God cares most about our relationship with him. Paul, kind of the pillar of the New Testament, wrote most of the letters in the New Testament. Uh, community matters, by the way, kind of back to that paralyzed guy that God works in community. God works through us. Don't neglect being together, seeing God work through others uh, in us. But Paul, Paul was afflicted with something, we don't know what, but he was never healed. He said he prayed three times, I'm sure with great faith, great earnestness, he prayed, but God didn't heal him. And he uh, gives us this in Second Corinthians. But God, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Uh, Paul gained faith. God, I think Paul got closer to Jesus even if he wasn't healed. Um, and I think he felt like God would be more seen in his weakness than he was in his strength. Uh, I, uh, some of you know, some of you will find out really easily. I don't hear very well. I wear hearing aids. And uh, I was pretty normal most of my life. About 45 years old, I suddenly couldn't hear very well. Um, went to the doctor, found out I'd lost about 60% of my hearing. And no particular reason why. Just boom. <laughs> well, that's inconvenient. Um, that's a loser. Prayed about it. Got hearing aids. Partial prayer answer. Um, which did some good. Uh, and I could manage pretty well. Had to keep going as my hearing got worse. Uh, but then we, when we lived in Africa, my hearing aids went out on me. I think it got wet or something and just... <laughs> now I can't hear. 
like it's worse than it was before. And I, I was so frustrated. I said, God, are you serious? You brought me, you called me. I was sure you brought me to Africa. So that what? I could hear people. I could talk to them. We could interact. I could do ministry. I could share who you are. I was so mad. I was so frustrated. I was so disillusioned. Um, I had staff people praying for me. Didn't heal. And then I think even after we came back from Africa, I went, We'd go back every couple of years, and one of our trips back, the senior leadership uh, went to a conference, and they said, let's, let's do a prayer time for you. And I thought, yes, this is it. I've, these Africa guys, they, <laughs> things happen around them. And I thought, this is awesome. We had a time just like seven or eight senior staff prayed for me. I, I really believe this is it. God's going to heal me. Didn't. Um, <laughs> why? I don't know. But all I know is I'm not responsible for whether I'm healed or not. But how did I respond to that? I just said, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you still have my best. Maybe it's not being healed right now. Maybe, maybe in my condition I can be more effective for some reason. Um, but whatever it was, uh, <laughs> I think that's the lesson of, of healing. It's about relationship more than it is about healing or not healing. It's about how do we gain closer connection to our Jesus who we're following. Well, finally, in the end, we'll all be restored. You know, this life is only going to be so long. In the end, we'll all be perfect the way it was always intended. Um, Keep that in mind for ourselves and for others. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.